Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Industrial Revolution reached the American South in the early 19th century. Both the introduction of the cotton gin and the growth of the burgeoning railroad industry provided a tremendous boost to the lucrative farming-based economy. But after the Civil War concluded, this industry was unable to sustain itself without the exploitation of an enslaved labor force, the true backbone of antebellum prosperity. So a new South began to grow, fueled by the modernization and mechanization the second wave of the Industrial Revolution provided. And nowhere in America was this shift more apparent than the upstart town of Birmingham, Alabama, where investors flocked for the opportunity to take part in a brand new industry based on the manufacture and sale of iron. while this iron industry may have given the region the economic boost it needed to recover from the Civil War, the human cost was high, leaving a legacy of tragedies, horrific accidents, and severe exploitation of impoverished laborers, primarily of African descent. Of course, some believe that echoes of this tragic past exist today at Birmingham's last remaining icon of the iron industry, Sloss Furnaces, a decommissioned blast furnace that some say is haunted by the men who once toiled there. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. James Withers Sloss was born on April 7, 1820, in Mooresville, Alabama. As a young man, Sloss's entrepreneurial spirit 
led him to own and operate both a profitable store and a successful plantation in northern Alabama. Then in the 1850s, he served as president of the Tennessee and Alabama Central Railroad, which connected Decatur, Alabama, with the Alabama-Tennessee border. In 1871, after serving as a colonel in the Civil War, James Sloss used his connections and business acumen to secure a merger of the Tennessee and Alabama Central Railroad with the larger Louisville and Nashville Railroad. Colonel Sloss knew that there was a trove of natural resources in central Alabama, one of the few areas in the world where all of the ingredients to make iron occurred naturally. So Sloss used his new position to convince the railroad company to finish the rail line that would give him access to the region's untapped potential. So in 1881, James Withers Sloss established a company and began construction on the first of two enormous blast furnaces on land that he received free from the Ellington Land Company for the sole purpose of industrial development. Sloss's furnace stack was 60 feet high and 18 feet in diameter, with the capacity of creating 80 tons of pig iron in a single day. To aid him, he hired experts in the design of furnaces, and he spared no expense on the state-of-the-art machinery to be used. Then finally, on April 1, 1882, the first furnace went into blast, and a month later the ground was broken for the second. By the end of its first year, Sloss Furnaces had sold 24,000 tons of iron, and in 1883, it took home the bronze medal for best pig iron at the Louisville Exposition. Sloss's gamble had paid off. The iron industry was proving incredibly profitable, providing the rest of the country with the materials to build everything from country bridges to the first city skyscrapers. Over the following decade, pig iron production increased by over 1,000% in Birmingham, or as it had become known, Magic City. When John Sloss first arrived in Birmingham, the town had only 3,000 residents. But in less than 50 years, the population rocketed to over 260,000. The rise of the iron industry brought people desperate for work, many of whom sought employment in the city after a life of enslavement on plantations. In 1900, 65% of the workforce of the Birmingham steel and iron industry was made up of black men. And a decade later, that number had risen to 75%. As a result, labor was cheap, and the new American industrialists took advantage. With so many men desperate to bring in money to live, many were willing to endure the harsh conditions and little pay. In the summer months, temperatures could easily exceed 115 degrees, and the work shifts could last up to 16 hours a day, and there were no breaks or time off, and all attempts to organize labor was suppressed quickly and at times violently.
since the workforce was paid so little, there wasn't much incentive to install safety equipment on the site. And if a worker died or was injured severely, then there were always other men willing to step in to fill his place. So little value was placed on the human lives working in the furnace that it was said that the work mules used on the site were more important because mules were a $25 investment and men could be replaced. With this mentality, it's no surprise that accidents were a fairly common occurrence at Sloss. There are 67 recorded fatalities known to have occurred on the site. However, due to inconsistent record-keeping, it is entirely possible that the number is actually higher. While details surrounding most of the deaths have largely been lost to time, there are some stories with enough documentation to be verified. The earliest took place in November 1882, when two black workmen, Alec King and Bob Mayfield, were lowered down on a scaffold in the number one furnace in order to chip away at the buildup of ore deposits, known as clinkers, that form on the inner walls. But as they worked with their pickaxes, a large chunk of ore fell into the furnace, causing a plume of noxious gas to rise and consume the men. Gasping for breath, they lost their footing and fell to their death. As if this was not bad enough, it is said that later the same week, a despondent worker named Samuel Cunningham climbed to the top of the blast furnace and jumped into the flames. A decade later, an incident was reported in the New York Times on February 4, 1892 that involved a crew of eight men. The men were standing upon a scaffolding while erecting a new hot blast stove when the scaffolding suddenly collapsed beneath them. The men fell 85 feet and two of them, named John Stanton and John Ritchie, were killed instantly while the other six men were seriously injured. Of course, there were numerous other fatalities to have occurred at Sloss over the years. There were some who died suffocating on poison fumes, and others who became entwined in the equipment and crushed to death for their mistake. Some were burned to death by molten iron, and a number died after falling from the high scaffolding and towers. With this in mind, it is no surprise that a paranormal study was conducted on the site in the 1980s, claimed that sauce furnaces should be considered a quote, a location rife with restless souls. Today, the most well-known spirit said to roam the grounds at Sloss is a man named James Robert Wormwood, or more infamously, Slag. For over a decade, Wormwood supervised over 150 men working Sloss's treacherous graveyard shift. His men had some of the most difficult and dangerous jobs of anyone at the facility. They were charged with keeping the blast furnace fed in the dark of night. But as if the hardship of this type of work wasn't enough, 
the sadistic foreman made it far worse. Slag was eager to please his employers, so he selfishly pushed his men to their limits, coercing them into taking dangerous risks with their lives just to speed up production. And the result was gruesome. 47 men lost their lives during Slag's tenure, and even more were forced to retire as a result of injuries sustained on his shifts. Of course, this meant nothing to Slag. Then, in 1906, the reign of James Robert Wormwood finally came to its end. It is said that one night, while walking atop Sloss's tallest furnace tower, the veteran foreman became lightheaded from the methane fumes, lost his footing, and then tumbled into the 3,800-degree furnace, where his body was instantly incinerated. Of course, rumors spread quickly through the company that this was no accident, with some claiming that the despised foreman was actually murdered by one of his men who had been pushed to their limit. But while the death of James Wormwood may have spared the workers of Sloss Furnaces from his wrath, legend says that his spirit never left, and his sadistic nature has only grown darker since his demise. One claim of his lingering malevolence is from the 1920s when a night watchman reported that he was shoved by a mysterious force and then told to, quote, get back to work. Another is from the 1940s when three workers were purportedly found unconscious in a boiler room, completely unaware of what had happened or how they ended up the way they were. But what the men did know was that a badly burned and scarred individual had appeared to them, gruffly demanding that they return to their shift. Stories like this are a dime a dozen, but the most vicious encounter with slag that anyone has ever described occurred the night before Sloss shut down production for good in 1971. Samuel Blumenthal was the night watchman at the time, and he claimed that on that fateful night, he came face to face with the, quote, most frightening thing he had ever seen. He called it a half-man, half-demon, but this supernatural presence did more than just scare the life out of Blumenthal. It also physically attacked him, violently attempting to push the night watchman up the stairs, presumably to force him over the ledge. But Blumenthal fought back as the beast beat him with its fists. Fortunately, he survived the encounter, but upon being treated for his wounds, Blumenthal's doctor claimed he was covered in, quote, intense burns. Unfortunately, this well-known and popularized tale of a deranged foreman still hell-bent on tormenting the living, is entirely fiction. James Robert Wormwood does not and did not exist. So the mystery is how did the story of Slag originate 
and when did it become ingrained in the mythology of Sloss? Each year for Halloween, Sloss Furnaces serves as home to a haunted house of epic proportions. Known as the Sloss Fright Furnace, the 25-year-old attraction is billed as a quote, terrifying experience that takes you into the deepest, darkest parts of Sloss. Of course, no haunted house worth its salt is complete without a villain in its core. So the story of Slag was created, a fictitious tale intended to scare the wits out of haunted housegoers. Yet in spite of this legend's veracity, the story has taken on a life of its own, and the single largest driver for this obscuring of fact and fiction the Travel Channel's reality series, Ghost Adventures. In its inaugural season, the paranormal investigators visit Sloss, but whether unwittingly or not, they focus on the fictitious slag, believing to have actually encountered the sadistic spirit, further intertwining the fictitious story with Sloss mythology. While it's unlikely that the folks who came up with slag meant to pass the tale off as fact. It is clear that this particular story was inspired by another that has not only endured for a century, but was also chronicled by one of Alabama's most celebrated storytellers, Catherine Tucker Wyndham. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Y'all, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations here in Middle Tennessee. It's called Poster Nashville. Now, this organization supports people during times of housing or medical crises by providing compassionate, temporary care for their pets. That's right. Poster helps secure loving homes for beloved little furballs when their human companions are going through things that might otherwise cause them to have to give them up. But since Poster began back in 2020, they've been able to reunite nearly 250 pets with their loving pet parents after they were able to secure housing, keeping families together through tough times. Of course, y'all, I have to say from personal experience, it's been an awesome program to be around. My kids and I have been fortunate enough to hang out with some of the pups. And trust me, what Poster is doing through a devoted network of volunteers is absolutely heartwarming. So if you'd like to help, Poster is in the middle of their annual fundraiser right now, trying to hit a goal of $20,000. And it would mean the world to me if you'd consider helping us get there. All you got to do is visit southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. That's right, southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. While James Slag Wormwood may not have been an actual person, 
Theophilus Calvin Jowers was. Jowers arrived in Jones County around 1870 with hopes of working in the up-and-coming iron industry of Birmingham. For his first three years, he cut his teeth in McIlwain's little Cahaba ironworks before moving to Oxmoor Furnace. Then, in 1887, Jowers was offered the position of assistant foundryman at the Alice Furnace No. 1. According to legend, Jowers believed he was meant to be an iron worker and was eager to meet the challenge of producing as much pig iron as possible in a day. As one would expect, this concerned his wife Sarah, who feared that her husband's work was far too dangerous. But Theophilus assured her, quote, Don't worry about me. The furnace is my friend. I wouldn't be happy working anywhere else. As long as there's a furnace standing in this county, I'll be there. Unfortunately, these assurances to his wife foreshadowed much of what was to come. On September 11, 1887, the Birmingham Daily Age reported, Jowers, assistant foundryman at the Alice Furnace, fell into number one yesterday morning and was almost completely burned up. They were preparing to put a new bell in the furnace and the old one was hoisted up and held with a clutch. Jowers had hold of a rope which was to release the bell and was standing close to the top of the furnace when by some mishap he tripped and he and the bell went down into the furnace together. A piece of sheet iron was attached to a length of gas pipe and with that instrument, his head, bowels, two hip bones, and a few ashes were fished out. Of course, according to Catherine Tucker Wyndham, Theophilus's heart was the only thing saved from the furnace that fateful day. As can be expected, it took little time for workers at the furnace to begin having encounters with a spirit that they believed to be their former boss. Some complained about suddenly being overcome the feeling of intense cold, while others said that they felt watched by an unseen presence. But most eerily of all were the apparitions of a man who seemed to act like a supervisor. Then, in 1905, when Alice No. 1 was demolished, the spirit moved on to Alice No. 2 until it too was abandoned in 1927 leaving only one company in operation, Sloss. Sure enough, Jower's spirit relocated once again, keeping the promise he made in life that as long as there's a furnace standing in this county, I'll be there. And according to some, he still is. During the mid-20th century, Sloss Furnaces was one of the largest producers of pig iron in the world. But the passage of the 1963 Clean Air Act brought the beginning of the end, and in 1971, the facility was closed for good. Fortunately, within a decade of this closure, 
numerous groups were already working to maintain the site for its historical value, and in 1981, Sloss Furnaces was officially designated as a National Historic Landmark, making Sloss the only 20th century blast furnace in the nation to be preserved and protected. Today, the site of Sloss Furnaces is a beautiful multi-purpose public facility that is not only used as an interpretive museum for the public, but is also home to concerts, festivals, and a nationally recognized metal arts program. But of course, some of the visitors to these rusty old furnaces still report the feeling of being watched by someone or something. And to this day, folks still claim to come face to face with spirits of Sloss's past. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksnyder with the support of listeners like you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content, including ad-free episodes, head over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Lady Shacks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.